Hello, my beautiful audience, and welcome back to Pass the Time Podcast. Um, it's been a long time since I've uh, put out an episode, so for that, I apologize. But you know what? I'm here now, so let's just enjoy this together. I got a couple creepy pastas for you, and just a lot of random horror stuff I want to talk about. So I'm not going to waste any time here, just dilly dallying along. So let's just jump right into the horror fix. So the first thing I want to talk about in this episode of the horror fix is a game I'm just obsessed with. I mean, it's not the most refined game, but it uh, just strikes near and dear to my heart, you know? And that would be the Friday the 13th game that has come out for the PS4, Xbox One, and PC. Definitely not the most polished game in terms of, like, graphics, even gameplay. Uh, It's really hard to get into matches sometimes, and when you do get into matches, if the host leaves, there's no host migration, so... That sucks. It just kind of ruins your time a lot of the time. But when you do get to play, when you do get to get in a game and play as Jason and murder all the counselors, it is just so satisfying. I mean, it's one of the most uh, just straight-up fun games I've ever played, and that's why I'm so obsessed with it. I mean, the replay value is pretty good, even though you're pretty much doing the same tasks all the time, and you only get to play as Jason probably one out of every, like, seven or eight matches. But when you do get to play as them, it is very rewarding. I mean, just finding all the creative ways you can kill the people, shoving, like, a skewer for, like, the fireplace, a fire poker right down their throat, throwing them in the fire, pulling them out of a sleeping bag, and smashing it against a tree. Just a all-around good time. And for those of you who have heard of the game and have been playing it and stuff, just like I have, there have been some new updates that are getting released, so going to be re-releasing all four of the maps or all three of the maps in uh, just smaller scale so their little marketing ploy here is 40% smaller 100% deadlier so hopefully that makes games a lot more fun I mean sometimes when you're Jason and you kill seven of the eight counselors and you're running around looking for the last one it gets a little frustrating especially if they're just not moving at all not making any sound It just makes it for kind of a boring time, and then Jason usually ends up leaving, making the game pretty much pointless anyway. So I'm glad they're doing that, but we need some more content. I mean, they are working on some new um, kills, some special kills that Jason can do. So they have Kane Hodder in the little studio they have there to, I guess, reenact the kills. So that's pretty cool. We have that to look forward to. And the single player is supposed to be getting released soon. Still no date on it, which is... Kind of frustrating, but what can you do? I'm just a consumer here. I don't have any pull. I'd like to just force them to release it right now. But if they do, it'll probably be shitty and buggy like the game was at launch. So, ah, I think think that's enough about Friday the 13th, huh? Yeah, I'm a little rusty to you guys, so you have to forgive me. I don't even know uh, my cadence or what I normally talk about. I know I talk about horror. It's pretty much what I do, but it's been so long. What am I doing? Okay. Let's talk about the next thing on my little list here. Had to write some notes. And I wanted to talk about the Channel Zero. Of course, this being a creepypasta podcast, we are all, of course, interested in creepypastas. So I finished the show Channel Zero, uh, the first season. And the second season is done and it's ready for release. And the third season's actually been greenlit. So there'll be a third season of Channel Zero coming out. So the second season is focusing on the creepypasta No End House, I believe. 
I believe that's what it's called. I did that uh, story probably in like the first 20 episodes of the podcast. So if you want to look back, somehow find the episode, go for it, give her a listen. But uh, the premise for this season is there's this house, and if you can get through all like seven rooms, you'll get like 500 bucks or something, which isn't doesn't seem like a good payoff because they're supposed to get more crazy and just more insane every time like every room you go into just delving into your deepest fears and things like that so i don't know how they're gonna stretch that into a six episode season i believe it's six episodes again but they did do that for candle cove so although it was a little bit of letdown strong start first four episodes are really good last two not so much so hopefully they correct that with this new season and yeah that's pretty much it about that what else to talk about? Oh, another PlayStation 4 game that came out in June? Maybe it was right after Friday the 13th because they're competitors, and it was Dead by Daylight. So this is another uh, kind of just play as a serial killer, track down a bunch of people and murder them kind of game. So just like Friday the 13th on a smaller scale. It's 1 verse 4 instead of 1 verse 8. And I did get Dead for Daylight, and I've played it a little bit, but it's just not as much fun as Friday the 13th, so I haven't really been drawn back to play it. But they are releasing a Halloween update where you get to play as Michael Myers, and they also add uh, Laurie Strode to the game. So I'm pretty much waiting for that to come out. It's supposed to be out sometime in August, but we're halfway through already, and it hasn't been released, so it's kind of a dick move by them, but whatever. But when it does come out, that's probably when I'll jump back in because I am a Halloween fan just to the max. That's my favorite horror movie of all time, and I just, I hope it's fun, you know? I hope I have a good time, which I'm sure I will, but, you know, might just jump right back into Friday the 13th. Oh, and there was uh, one other thing I wanted to talk about. Of course, the new movie It is coming out, the new adaptation of Stephen King's classic horror novel, which I'm currently reading, by the way. I'm uh, almost done. I guess I'm like 700-something pages in, and the book is just phenomenal. One of my favorite books already. Just like it brings a lot of nostalgic time for the 50s, even though I wasn't born in the 50s, but I kind of wish I lived through it because it just looks like such a great time. I mean... I really associate with the old Twilight Zone TV show and anything set in like that time period, I just love. So having it set both in the 50s and in like the 80s makes for a pretty good book. And I'm hoping they stay in that kind of realm for the movie. I haven't watched any of the It trailers because I don't want anything ruined because it's a guarantee I'm going to see it, obviously. But I'm hoping they're still staying in like the past and not like modernizing it to like 2017. But who knows? They, you guys might have seen the trailers already and they might have p pulled out a cell phone or something and I'm already disproven and upset. So hopefully that's not the case. But I just wanted to talk about it as a whole. I mean, the 1990s movie or made-for-TV movie was great. Um, the book so far out of 700 pages, it's great. So I have no reason to believe that the new movie won't be great as well. But... It also kind of got me thinking what could have been with it if they would have kept the original uh, writer and director, uh, Kerry Fukunaga. Uh, but I guess they replaced him and they're not using a script, which is a good thing. Or is it? I don't know. All I know is I was uh, kind of looking it up and I was looking forward to that incarnation because it was going to star uh, Will Poulter, which of course is the eyebrows kid from Maze Runner. But 
there's a few reasons why this didn't get made, and I just wanted to talk about that a little bit. Um, supposedly, uh, Kerry Fukunaga and New Line Cinema had some, I guess, uh, creative differences, if you call it that. I mean, um, Kerry Fukunaga wanted to make a more character-driven horror, uh, not just something with jump scares, whereas New Line, that's what they wanted. They just wanted a conventional uh, like horror movie with jump scares and... I don't know, regular archetypes, but I don't know. That's, I guess, even having the character of Pennywise and integrated into this world. I feel like you can't mess it up, but I would have been interested in, in seeing like a more character-driven horror-type movie that could be built across two full movies because that's the kind of thing that normally will last with you. Like, it'll have a lasting impression. And, of course, uh, I didn't mention uh, what Kerry Fukunaga is known for. Of course, he did the... Uh, first season of True Detective with Matthew McConaughey and that's one of the greatest seasons of any show ever so just having that creative mind doing this movie would have been pretty cool I think anyways but also some of the uh, problems stemmed to uh, I guess the content that uh, was going to be put in the movie It so for those of you who haven't read the book or well if you've seen the movie you wouldn't know this either but there's a pretty graphic uh, child orgy scene in the book. And it's not that he wanted to use that in his incarnation of it, but he wanted to include a couple of, uh, I guess, risque scenes. I read this online. Um, I cannot remember for the life of me uh, the website I read it on. But there were two uh, specific scenes that New Line wanted out of the film and he did not and it was not child orgy but there was well there was a scene with Henry Bowers who was the bully of the book and of the movie um, bullied all the other kids um, where he I guess had sex with a sheep and there's another scene with one of the kids I feel like it might have been Ben that he was masturbating onto a cake like a birthday cake so I could see why New Line wouldn't want these scenes in the movie, of course. But I don't see why Kerry Fukunaga would defend those scenes. So thinking back at it, this uh, this article was probably bullshit. <laughs> I'm just spreading fake news. But it's just interesting, an interesting tidbit that something like that might have been the cause of uh, Fukunaga to walk away from such an awesome project. But you know what? To each his own. So... Uh, that's all I really want to say about that. Just super excited for it. And you know what? I think I've kind of lost my train of thought. So that's it for the horror fix. And I think it's time that we tell a creepypasta. So I've been reading a few online uh, in the recent days, trying to find a good one to come back to. And I came across a story that I thought was written pretty well and was definitely interesting and I enjoyed. So I figured if I enjoyed it, you guys are going to enjoy it as well. So this story is called A Story to Scare My Son. It was submitted to the uh, No Sleep Reddit uh, by the user OvenFriend. So OvenFriend, uh, that's kind of a weird name. Doesn't, uh, doesn't produce good thoughts, if you get what I'm saying. You do. I know you do. But other than this weird name, the story is pretty good, in my opinion, so... Let's see, uh, let's see what happens when a father is trying to scare his son. Here we go. 
Son, we need to have a chat about internet safety. I slowly crumpled down onto the floor next to him. His laptop was open, and he was playing Minecraft on a public server. His eyes were locked into action. Comments scrolled down the side of the screen in a chat box. Son, can you stop your game for a minute? He exited the world, closed the laptop, and looked up at me. Dad, is this going to be another cheesy, scary story? What? I faked hurt feelings for a second, and then I grinned at him. I thought you liked my cautionary tales. He grew up listening to my stories about children who encountered witches, ghosts, werewolves, and trolls. Like many generations of parents, I used scary stories to reinforce morals and teach lessons about safety. Single dads like me should use all the parenting tools at their disposal. He scrunched his little face. They were fine when I was six, but now that I'm getting older, they don't seem to scare me anymore. They seem kind of silly. If you were going to tell a story about the internet, can you at least make it really, really scary? I squinted at him incredulously. He folded his arms. Dad, I'm ten. I can handle it. Hmm. Okay, I'll try. I began. Once upon a time, there was a boy named Colby. His expression indicated that he wasn't impressed with the terror of the introduction. He sighed deeply and settled in for one of Dad's cheesy stories. I continued. Colby went online and joined several children's websites. After a while, he started talking to other kids in-game and on the message boards. He made friends with another 10-year-old named Helper23. They liked the same video games and shows, they laughed at each other's jokes, and they explored games together. After several months of friendship, Colby gave Helper23 six diamonds in the game they were playing. This was a very generous gift. Colby's birthday was coming up, and Helper23 wanted to send him a cool present in real life. Colby figured it wouldn't hurt to give Helper23 his home address, as long as he promised not to tell any strangers or grown-ups. Helper23 swore he wouldn't tell anyone else, not even his own parents, and set about mailing the package. I paused the story and asked my son, Do you think that was a good idea? No, he said, shaking his head vigorously. In spite of himself, he was getting into the story. Well, neither did Colby. Colby felt guilty about giving away his home address, and his guilt began to grow and grow. By the time he put his pajamas on the next night, his guilt and fear were larger than anything else in his life. He resolved to admit the truth to his parents. The punishment would be steep, but it would be worth it to have a clear conscience. He squirmed in his bed and waited for his parents to tuck him in. My son knew the scary part was coming up. In spite of his tough talk, he leaned forward and wide-eyed. I spoke quietly and deliberately. He heard all the noises of the house. The washing machine bounced around in the laundry room. Branches scraped against the brick outside his room. His baby brother cooed in the nursery. And there were some other noises he couldn't quite pinpoint. Finally, his dad's footsteps echoed down the hall. Hey dad, he called out nervously. I, I have something to tell you. His dad stuck his head in the doorway at a weird angle. In the darkness, his mouth didn't seem to move, and the eyes were all wrong. Yes, son. The voice was way off, too. Are, are you okay, Dad? The boy asked. Uh-huh, sang the father in his strangely affected voice. Colby pulled up his covers defensively. Um, is Mom around? Here I am. Mom's head popped into the doorway below Dad's. Her voice was in an unnatural falsetto. Were you about to tell us that you gave our home address to Helper 23? You shouldn't have done that. We told you never to give out personal information on the internet, she continued. 
He wasn't really a kid. He just pretended to be one. Do you know what he did? He came to our house, broke in, and murdered both of us, just so we could spend some time with you. A fat man in a wet jacket emerged in the child's doorway, holding the two severed heads. Colby shrieked and gasped as the man dropped the heads on the ground, unsheathed his knife, and moved into the room to work on the boy. My son screamed too. He twisted his hands defensively over his face, but we were just getting started with the story. After several hours, the boy was almost dead and his screams had become whimpers. The killer noticed the wailing of a baby in another room and removed his knife from Colby. This was a special treat. He had never murdered a baby before and was excited at the prospect. Helper 23 left Colby to die and followed the cries through the house like a homing beacon. In the nursery, he walked to the crib and picked up the baby, held it in his arms. He moved toward the changing table to get a better look. But as he held the baby, the crying died down. The baby looked up and smiled. Helper 23 had never held the baby, but he gently bounced it in his arms like a pro. He wiped the bloody hands on the blanket so he could stroke the baby's cheek. Hey there, sweet little guy. The beautiful rage of sadism melted into something warmer and softer. He walked out of the nursery, took the baby home, named him William, and raised him as his very own. After I finished the story, my son was visibly shaken. Between ragged staccato breaths, he stammered, But, Dad, my name's William. I gave him the classic dad wink and tousled his hair. Of course it is, son. William ran up the stairs to his bedroom in a fury of sobs. But deep down, I think he liked the story. So that was a story to scare my son by Oven Friend. And I know if I was a kid listening to that story, it would scare the shit out of me. I mean, it was pretty scary for, for me, reading it as a creepypasta. So it's pretty uh, pretty good prank to pull on your son, you know? Got a son, uh, just input his name in the story if you really want to give him a good scare. I mean, he'll forgive you, right? Just have nightmares for the rest of his life? Maybe run away from home? Hopefully not. But it would be a pretty good prank. Hmm? So I think that was a pretty good story. If I was going to rate it out of 10, I would probably give it about an 8. It's pretty good. I mean, the writing was pretty good. It had a good twist ending. And yeah, it was just all around creepy. I enjoyed the story. Good stuff. Well, the other story I have here um, might be a little long, so I think I'm going to save that for the next episode. But I was going to also talk about Friday the 13th as my rate and review, but I got too excited and I talked about it in the horror fix. So I think I'll just talk about another horror movie that I, well, a horror movie that I saw recently that I think is just crazily underrated. It didn't do great at the box office and reading like reviews online, a lot of people were really angry at this film because of uh, the way it was marketed. Uh, A lot of people were expecting a straight up monster movie or some kind of just zombie-ish, apocalyptic type movie. And that's not what they got. They actually got a movie where they had to think. And the movie I'm talking about, of course, is It Comes at Night, starring Joel Edgerton. So this is a movie that I really didn't see too much uh, trailers or marketing. I remember seeing one trailer like two or three months before it came out, and the only thing I remembered about it was a red door. And somehow this red door was intriguing enough to make me go see this movie. So grab the girlfriend. I'm like, Kate, let's go check this out. And I was very presently, pleasantly surprised to find a movie that I actually had to think. And the, the scares were more just like psychological 
than they were just in your face jump scares like most of the movies out nowadays. So this movie, if you haven't heard about it or seen it, it's about this family. It's a family of three that is kind of holed up in this house and there's like an apocalyptic outbreak uh, that's getting into everybody like it's a disease and it'll it'll kill you if you get it obviously kind of make you go a little insane and it's extremely contagious so you have to be very careful but the title of the movie is it comes at night so they never leave the house at nighttime they move around during the day and stuff uh, I'll say this now a little bit of a spoiler alert just in case I let go some big facts and you were planning on seeing this movie if you were, then uh, I guess just skip through this, whatever. We'll catch you on the flip side. But this movie, Joel Edgerton, Edgerton he is protecting his family, and then one night uh, they hear something in one of the rooms right, on, right beyond the red door. So something or someone is broken in, and they go in there and they find out it's just another guy, just a scavenger. And so they're kind of in this dilemma whether they can let him go or not. So they tie him to a tree, for like three days and leave them outside which I thought was pretty messed up and I guess they end up trusting him so they try to bring him back to his, get his family they get attacked on the way there so that doesn't really bode well for his trust and you never really know whose side you're on in this movie I mean you want to be on Joel Edgerton's side and you think that the other uh, the other family is the crazy ones but maybe it's the other way around so the whole time you're watching this movie you have to kind of put yourself in both of the family's shoes. And it's just really intense. You don't really know what you're expecting, so you're kind of on edge the entire movie. It was, reminded me a lot like It Follows, where you're kind of looking in the background of shots, just seeing if anybody's walking towards the camera. And this movie was very similar because you don't know what it is. Like You don't know what it is that's actually passing on this disease. You don't know how people are getting it. You don't know what caused it. They really gave you very little information and that kind of makes it um, a good movie I mean Alien did the same thing with like minimal scares it's not as great as the first Alien movie but just not kind of going all up in your face with horror where this one was more just like psychological and it was just fucking good like I don't want to ruin the ending for you guys but if there's a horror movie that you guys are going to see this year um, this is as good as any to see I mean, I was I enjoyed this movie more than I enjoyed Alien Covenant, which I also saw. Uh, maybe I'll do... I'm not sure if I've done a review of that. Probably not. Probably not, right? Maybe I'll do that next episode. But I, I enjoyed Alien Covenant. It was a little predictable. And so this movie is like 100% in the opposite way. It's not predictable at all. Whereas Alien Covenant's had some sweet fucking aliens, though. And this movie... You don't know what it has, because I'm not going to tell you what the monster is. I'm going to let you find that out for yourself. Maybe you'll find out the monster is you. You're the monster. Or maybe I'm just full of shit. I don't know. Probably both. I'll go with both. That pretty much does it, though, for um, this episode. I have a phone call coming in from Washington. So I just stopped the episode, which you didn't notice, because I'm going to edit it so that it wasn't a big gap. But just got a random phone call from someone in Washington asking me to go on a cruise. Probably fishing, probably not fishing like casting a reel, but fishing like PH, trying to screw me into giving them money and stealing all my identity and such. So I just said no. Just say no, people. It's easy as that. But that pretty much does it for this episode. I mean, don't really have much else to say. 
There's a lot of stuff I want to talk about, but I figured I might as well bang out a quick episode here for you guys just so I can uh, get my juices flowing, you know, get back in the groove. Hopefully I can get some more episodes done and we can have a lot more great times. I have my next story ready that I'll be reading. Uh, Maybe I'll give you a little sneak peek. The next creepypasta I'll be reading is called Princess, and I couldn't find who wrote it, but it was, uh, yeah, just posted anonymously, but I thoroughly enjoyed it. It makes you have second thoughts about your, your little pooch, man's best friend. Maybe your dog wants to kill you. Hmm? Hopefully not, though. Well, that does it for this episode. Thanks for listening. Uh, guess like us or follow us on Instagram. Maybe I'll do some more posts of stuff I find thrifting and such. I did find something quite cool thrifting. Uh, sealed board game, uh, the Goosebumps Web of Mystery game. And that game is fucking awesome. I mean, it's made out of plastic, so if I spilled my juice box on it, it'll just run off onto the carpet. Great stuff. That's the episode today, everybody. Thanks for listening. And... All you beautiful people out there, try not to have too many nightmares, my friends. <laughs>